or even the simple sensations you can feel by just standing or sitting here. This is going to be fun. This is happening. If you are the kind of person who can easily find time in your day for formal sitting meditation practice, don't have a problem with bald people in robes telling you what to do, and can easily give up using your digital devices, then congratulations. There are already plenty of good mindfulness and meditation approaches out there that will work for you. But the chances are that you're not. The three problems I mentioned previously are often thought of as just being facts of meditation life. That's just what mindfulness is like. Deal with it. This is just plain wrong, and the reason why we need a mindfulness that is better designed for the realities of our modern lives. The approach outlined in this book solves the time problem by reframing meditation primarily as a mobile activity, something we can do everywhere, not just when sitting on a cushion in a quiet space. It solves the hippie problem by understanding that while it certainly has religious roots, mindfulness has evolved and is now being used for reasons that are entirely new. It solves the digital problem by embracing the importance of technology in our lives and learning how to actually use our devices as the basis of our well-being, not its nemesis. The alternative is that we simply carry on thinking about mindfulness in the same way as we do today. If we do, then mindfulness will continue to be a minority sport. It will be a luxury, unavailable to the vast majority of people whose lifestyles and values do not fit with the conventional presentation. Given the growing evidence of how mindfulness practice can lead to so many different positive outcomes, that would be a real shame. Here's this awesome thing, but sorry, it's not for you. As well as being a shame, it would be ignoring the fact that the story of mindfulness is one of innovation and change. Later on, we'll look more closely at how mindfulness has evolved over time, and also where it might go next. However, before starting out in our own adventures into mindfulness, there is one big idea that is worth you knowing. Mindfulness is a flexible tradition, and it has a long history of reimagining itself every time it meets a new culture. The ways in which mindfulness is changing today are therefore just a natural next chapter as it adapts in response to the things it has only recently met, such as neuroscience, psychology, and digital technology. Referring to the history of mindfulness and how it changes doesn't need to feel abstract. What we're actually talking about are individuals just like you and me taking what has gone before and working out how to best apply that to the realities of our lives as they are right now. My own big breakthrough was when I discovered how to meditate in a time-poor world. It not only changed my understanding of mindfulness, it went on to change my whole life. Finding the future of mindfulness on the way to work I got into meditation during my last few months at university, and upon graduation I moved back to London to begin work with a large technology consulting company. It was an exciting time all round. I was enjoying the energetic corporate lifestyle making decent headway into my student debt, and my interest in mindfulness and meditation was really starting to take off. 
I had begun to look for classes and groups near me, and I was even considering going on a weekend retreat. The problem was that I didn't have time to fit it all in. I'd had no such problems in my student life, where I could happily find a spare half hour. But it was entirely different now that I'd been fast-tracked into the long work hours corporate culture. Even when I did find time for dedicated sitting meditation, I was often so tired that the quality of my attention and energy was such that I could not do it justice. So I was surprised when I found the solution to my problem on the Northern Line one Monday morning. While all the routes of the London Underground have their challenges, the Northern Line is probably the most soul-destroying. And it is in the mornings that it is at its worst. Cities get a bad rap as lonely, disconnecting places at the best of times, but it's perhaps most clearly felt when travelling deep underground in a confined...